7. Iron of race and culture. The wars of savage and pastoral peoples affect the whole tribe. All the able-bodied men are combatants, and all the women and children constitute the spoils of war in case of defeat. This fact is important, since the purpose of primitive conflicts is to enslave and pillage, rather than to acquire land. The result is that a whole district may be laid waste, but when the devastators withdraw, it is gradually repopulated by bordering tribes, who make new ethnic combinations. After the destruction of the Erie's by the Iroquois in 1655, Ohio was left practically uninhabited for a hundred and fifty years. Then the Iroquois and Wyandots extended their settlements into northwestern Ohio from their base in southern Michigan, while the Miami Confederacy along the southern shore of Lake Michigan pushed their borders into the western part. The Muskingum Valley in the eastern portion was occupied about 1750 by Delawares from eastern Pennsylvania, the Scioto by Shawnees, and the northeast corner of the territory by detachments of Iroquois chiefly Senecas, the long wars between the Algonquin Indians of the north and the Appalachian tribes of the south kept the district of Kentucky on no man's land, in convenient vacancy for occupation by the white settlers, when they began the westward movement, map page 156, this desolation is produced partly by killing, but chiefly by enslavement of prisoners and the flight of the conquered, both constitute compulsory migrations of far-reaching effect in the fusion of races and the blending of civilizations. The thousands of Greek slaves who were brought to ancient Rome contributed to its refinement and polish. All the nations of the known world, from Britain to Syria and Jew, were represented in the slave markets of the imperial capital, and contributed their elements to the final composition of the Roman people. When we read of 97,000 Hebrews whom Titus sold into bondage after the fall of Jerusalem, of 40,000 Greeks sold by Lucullus after one victory, and the auction sub-corona of whole tribes in Gaul by Caesar. The scale of this forcible transfer becomes apparent, and its power as an agent of race amalgamation. Senator Sam Houston of Texas, speaking of the Comanche Indians, in the United States Senate, December 31, 1854, said, There are not less than 2,000 prisoners whites in the hands of the Comanches, 400 in one band in my own state. They take no prisoners but women and boys. It was customary among the Indians to use captured women as concubines and to adopt into the tribe such boys as survived the cruel treatment to which they were subjected. Since the Comanches in 1847 were variously estimated to number from 9 to 12,000, so large a proportion of captives would modify the native stock. In Africa slavery has been intimately associated with agriculture as a source of wealth and therefore has lent motive to intertribal wars. Captives were enslaved and then gradually absorbed into the tribe of their masters. Thus war and slavery contributed greatly to that widespread blending of races which characterizes Negro Africa. Slaves became a medium of exchange and an article of commerce with other continents. The Negro slave trade had its chief importance in the eyes of ethnologists and historians because, in distributing the black races in white continents, it has given a Negro question to the United States, superseded the native Indian stock of the Antilles by Negroes, and left a broad Negro strain in the blood of Colombia, Venezuela, and Brazil. This particular historical movement, which during the two centuries of its greatest activity involved larger numbers than the Tartar invasion of Russia or the Turkish invasion of Europe, for a long period gave to black Africa the only historical importance which it possessed for the rest of the world. In higher stages of political development, war aiming at the subjugation of large territories finds another means to fuse the subject peoples and assimilate them to a common standard of civilization. 
the purpose is unification and the obliteration of local differences. These are also the unconscious ends of evolution by historical movement. With this object, conquerors the world over have used a system of tribal and racial exchanges. It was the policy of the Incas of ancient Peru to remove conquered tribes to distant parts of the realm, and supply their places with colonists from other districts who had long been subjected and were more or less assimilated. In 722 BC the Assyrian king, Sargon, overran Samaria, carried away the ten tribes of Israel beyond the Tigris and scattered them among the cities of Media, where they probably merged with the local population. To the country left vacant by their wholesale deportation he transplanted people from Babylon and other Mesopotamian cities. The descendants of these, mingled with the poorer class of Jews still left there, formed the despised Samaritans of the time of Christ. The kingdom of Judah later was despoiled by Nebuchadnezzar of much of its population, which was carried off to Babylon. This plan of partial deportation and colonization characterized the Roman method of Roman Azotion. Removal of the conquered from their native environment facilitated the process. While it weakened the spirit and power of revolt, the Romans met better opposition from the mountain tribes when trying to open up the northern passes of the Apennines. Consequently they removed the Ligurian tribe of the Apuanians, 47,000 in number, far south to Samnium, when in 15 BC the region of the Rhetian Alps was joined to the empire. 40,000 of the inhabitants were transplanted from the mountains to the plain. The same method was used with the Scordisian Dacians of the Danube. More often the mortality of war so thinned the population, that the settlement of Roman military colonies among them sufficed to keep down revolt and to Romanize the surviving fragment. The large area of Romance speech found in Romania and eastern Hungary, despite the controversy about its origin, seems to have had its chief source in the extensive Roman colonies planted by the Emperor Trajan in conquered Dacia, in Iberian Spain which bitterly resisted Roman Azotion. The process was facilitated by the presence of large garrisons of soldiers. Between 196 and 169 BC the troops amounted to 150,000, and many of them remained in the country as colonists. Compare the settlement of Scotch troops in French Canada by land grants after 1763, resulting in the survival today of Sandy Hair, Blue Eyes, and highland names among the French-speaking inhabitants of Murray Bay and other districts. The Turks in the 15th century brought large bodies of Muslim converts from Asia Minor to garrison Macedonia and Thessaly, thereby robbing the Anatolian plateau of half its original population. Into the vacuum thus formed a current of nomads from Inrasia has poured ever since. Every active historical movement which enters an already populated country gives rise there to passive movements, either compression of the native folk followed by amalgamation, or displacement and withdrawal, the latter in some degree attends every territorial encroachment, only where there is an abundance of free land can a people retire as a whole before the onslaught, and maintain their national or racial solidarity, thus the Slavs seem largely to have withdrawn before the Germans in the Baltic plains of Europe, the Indians of North and South America retired westward before the advance of the whites from the Atlantic coast, the Cherokee nation who once had a broad belt of country extending from the Tennessee Valley through South Carolina to the ocean, first retracted their frontier to the Appalachian Mountains. In 1816 they were confined to an ever-shrinking territory on the Middle Tennessee and the southern end of the Highlands. In 1818 they began to retire beyond the Mississippi, and in 1828 beyond the western boundary of Arkansas. The story of the Shawnees and Delawares is a replica of this. 
in the same way Hogtots and coffers in South Africa are withdrawing northward and westward into the desert before the protruding frontier of white settlement, as the Boers before the English trekked farther into the belt. See map page 105, where the people attacked or displaced a small or a broken remnant. It often takes refuge among a neighboring or kindred tribe, the small Suan tribes of the Carolinas, reduced to fragments by repeated Iroquois raids, combined with their Suan kinsmen the Catawbas, who consequently in 1743 included 20 dialects among their little band, the Iroquois and destroyers of North Carolina, defeated and weakened by the whites in 1711, fled north to the Iroquois of New York, where they formed the Sixth Nation of the Confederation, the Yamas Indians who shifted back and forth between the borders of Florida and South Carolina, defeated first by the whites and then by the Creeks, found a refuge for the remnant of their tribe among the Seminoles, in whom they merged and disappeared as a distinct tribe the fate of most of these fragmentary peoples. See map page 54. When the fugitive body is large, it is forced to split up in order to escape. Hence every fugitive movement tends to assume the character of a dispersal. All the more as organization and leadership vanish in the catastrophe. The fissile character of primitive societies especially contributes to this end, so that almost every story of Indian and native African warfare tells of shattered remnants fleeing in several directions. Among civilized peoples, the dispersal is that of individuals and has far-reaching historical effects. After the destruction of Jerusalem, the Jews were scattered over the earth. The debris of a nation. The religious wars of France during the 16th and 17th centuries caused Huguenots to flee to Switzerland, Germany, Holland, England, and South Carolina, they even tried to establish a colony on the coast of Brazil, everywhere they contributed a valuable element to the economic and social life of the community which they joined, the great schism in the Russian church became an agent of immigration and colonization. It helped to spread the Russian nationality over remote frontier regions of the empire which previously had been almost exclusively Asiatic, and distributed groups of dissenters in the neighboring provinces of Turkey, Romania, Austria, Poland and Prussia. The hope of safety from pursuit drives fugitive peoples into isolated and barren places that are scarcely accessible or habitable, and thereby extends the inhabited area of the earth long before mere pressure of population would have stretched it to such limits. We find these refugee folk living in pile villages built over the water, in deserts, in swamps, mangrove thickets, very high mountains, marshy deltas, and remote or barren islands, all which can be classified as regions of retreat. Fugitives try to place between themselves and their pursuers a barrier of sea or desert or mountains, and in doing this have themselves surmounted some of the greatest obstacles to the spread of the human race. Districts of refuge located centrally to several natural regions of migration receive immigrants from many sides, and are therefore often characterized by a bizarre grouping of populations. The cluster of marshy islands at the head of the Adriatic received fugitives from a long semicircle of North Italian cities during the barbarian invasions. Each refugee colony occupied a separate island, and finally all coalesced to form the city of Venice. Central mountain districts like the Alps and Caucasus contain the sweepings of the plains. The Caucasus particularly, on the border between Europe and Asia, contains every physical type and representative of every linguistic family of Eurasia, except pure Aryan. Nowhere else in the world probably is there such a heterogeneous lot of peoples, languages and religions. Replay calls the Caucasus a grave of peoples, of languages, of customs and physical types. Its base. North and South, 
and the longitudinal groove through its center from east to west had been swept by various racial currents, which have cast up their flotsam into its valleys. The pueblos of our arid southwest, essentially an area of asylum, are inhabited by Indians of four distinct stocks, and only one of them, the Mokis, show clearly kinship to another tribe outside this territory, so that they are survivals. The 28 different Indian stocks huddled together in small and diverse linguistic groups between the Pacific Ocean and the eastern slope of the Sierra Nevada and Cascade Range leave the impression that these protected valleys, similar to the Caucasus in their ethnic diversity, were an asylum for remnants of depleted stocks who had fled to the western highlands before the great Indian migrations of the interior, making their way painfully and at great cost of life through a region of mountain and desert. They came out in diminished bands to survive in the protection of the Great Barrier. Of the 21 Indian linguistic stocks which have become extinct since the arrival of the white man, 15 belong to this transmontane strip of the Pacific Slope. Evidence of the fragmentary character of these stocks and their consequently small power of resistance. See map page 54. Advance to a completely sedentary life. As we see it among modern civilized nations, prohibits the migration of whole peoples or even of large groups when maintaining their political organization. On the other hand, however, sedentary life and advanced civilization bring rapid increase of population, improved methods of communication, and an enlarged geographical horizon. These conditions encourage and facilitate emigration and colonization, forms of historical movement which have characterized the great commercial peoples of antiquity and the overcrowded nations of modern times. These forms do not involve the whole people but only individuals and small groups, though in time the total result may represent a considerable proportion of the original population. The United States in 1890 contained 980.938 immigrants from Canada and Newfoundland, or just one-fifth the total population of the Dominion in that same year. Germany since 1820 has contributed at least 5 million citizens to non-European lands. Ireland since 1841 has seen nearly 4 millions of its inhabitants drawn off to other countries, an amount only little less than its present population. It is estimated that since 1851 emigration has carried off from County Clare and Kerry 72% of the average population, and yet those counties are still crowded. Among those who abandon their homes in search of easier conditions of living, certain ages and certain social and industrial classes predominate. A typical emigrant group to America represents largely the lower walks of life, includes an abnormal proportion of men and adults, and about three-fourths of it are unskilled laborers and agriculturists. Colonization, the most potent instrument of organized expansion, has in recent centuries changed the relative significance of the great colonial nations of Europe. It raised England from a small insular country to the center of a world power. It gave sudden no temporary preeminence to Spain and Portugal a new lease of life to a little Holland, and ominous importance to a Russia, Germany, who entered the colonial field only in 1880, found little desirable land left, and yet it was especially Germany who needed an outlet for her redundant population, with all these states, as with ancient Phoenicia, Greece and Yemen, the initial purpose was commerce or in some form the exploitation of the new territory, colonies were originally trading stations established as safe termini for trade routes, Colonial government, as administered by the mother country, originally had an eye single for the profits of trade, witness the experience of the 13 colonies with Great Britain. Colonial wars have largely meant the rivalry of competing nations seeking the same markets, as the history of the Portuguese and Dutch in the East Indies, 
and the English and French in America prove, the First Punic War had a like commercial origin rivalry for the trade of Magna Grecia between Rome and Carthage, the dominant colonial powers of the Western Mediterranean. Such wars result in expansion for the victor. Commerce, which so largely underlies colonization, is itself the form of historical movement. It both causes and stimulates great movements of peoples, yet it differs from these fundamentally in its relation to the land. Commerce traverses the land to reach its destination, but takes account of natural features only as these affect transportation and travel. It has to do with systems of routes and goals, which it aims to reach as quickly as possible. It reduces its cortege to essentials, eliminates women and children. Therefore it surmounts natural barriers which blot the advance of other forms of the historical movement. Merchant caravans are constantly crossing the desert, but not so peoples. Traders with loaded yaks or ponies push across the Karakoram Mountains by Passace where a migrating horde would starve and freeze. The northern limit of the Mediterranean race in Spain lies sharply defined along the crest of the Pyrenees, whose long and broken wall forms one of the most pronounced boundaries in Europe, yet traders and smugglers have pushed their way through from time immemorial. Long after Etruscan merchants had crossed northward over the Alps, Roman expansion and colonization made a deer around the mountains westward into Gaul, with the result that the Germans received Roman civilization not straight from the south, but second-hand through their Gallic neighbors west of the Rhine. Commerce, though differing from other historical movements, may give to these direction and destination. The trader is frequently the herald of soldier and settler. He becomes their guide, takes them along the trail which he has blazed, and gives them his own definiteness of aim. The earliest Roman conquest of the Alpine tribes was made for the purpose of opening the passes for traders and abolishing the heavy transit duties imposed by the mountaineers. Fur traders inaugurated French expansion to the far west of Canada, and the Russian advance into Siberia. The ancient Ember route across Russia from the Baltic to the Euxine probably guided the Goths in their migration from their northern seats to the fertile lands in southern Russia, where they first appear in history as the Ostrogoths. The caravan trade across the Sahara from the Niger to the Mediterranean coast has itself embodied in historical movement, by bringing out enough Negro slaves appreciably to modify the ethnic composition of the population in many parts of North Africa. It was this trade which also suggested to Prince Henry of Portugal in 1415, when campaigning in Morocco, the plan of reaching the Guinea coast by sea and diverting its gold dust and slaves to the port of Lisbon a movement which resulted in the Portuguese circumnavigation of Africa. Every staple place and trading station is a center of geographical information, it therefore gives an impulse to expansion by widening the geographical horizon. The Lewis and Clark expedition found the Mandan villages at the northern bend of the Missouri River the center of a trade which extended west to the Pacific, through the agency of the Crow and Paunch Indians of the upper Yellowstone, and far north to the Assiniboine and Saskatchewan rivers. Here in conversation with British and French fur traders of the Northwest Company's posts, they secured information about the western country they were to explore. Similarly the trade of the early Jesuit missions at Lop Wand near the west end of Lake Superior annually drew the Indians from a wide circle sweeping from Green Bay and the Fox River in the south, across the Mississippi around to the Lake of the Woods and far north of Lake Superior. Here Marquette first heard of the great river destined to carry French dominion to the Gulf of Mexico. Trade often finds in religion an associate and coadjutor in directing and stimulating the historical movement. China regards modern Christian missions as effective European agencies for the spread of commercial and political power. 
Jesuit and fur trader plunged together into the wilds of colonial Canada, Spanish priest and gold seeker into Mexico and Peru. American missionary pressed close upon the heels of fur trader into the Oregon country. Jason Lee, having established a Methodist mission on the Willamette in 1834, himself experienced sudden conversion from religionist to colonizer. He undertook a temporary mission back to the settled states, where he preached a stirring propaganda for the settlement and appropriation of the disputed Oregon country, before the British should fasten their grip upon it. The United States owes Hawaii to the expansionist spirit of American missionaries. Thirty years after their arrival in the islands, they held all the important offices under the native government, and had secured valuable tracts of lands, laying the foundation of the landed aristocracy of planters established there today. Their sons and grandsons took the lead in the Revolution of 1893, and in the movement for annexation to the United States. Thus sometimes do the meek inherit the earth. The famous pilgrimages of the world, in which the commercial element has been more or less conspicuous, have contributed greatly to the circulation of peoples and ideas, especially as they involve multitudes and draw from a large circle of lands, their economic, intellectual and political effects rank them as one phase of the historical movement. Herodotus tells of 700,000 Egyptians flocking to the city of Bubastes from all parts of Egypt for the festival of Diana. The worship of Ashtoreth in Bengus in Syria drew votaries from all the Semitic peoples except the Jews. As early as 386 AD Christian pilgrims flocked to Jerusalem from Armenia, Persia, India, Ethiopia, and even from Gaul and Britain. Jerusalem gave rise to those armed pilgrimages, the Crusades, with all their far-reaching results. The pilgrimage to Rome, which in the Jubilee of 1300 brought 200,000 worshippers to the sacred city, did much to consolidate papal supremacy over Latin Christendom, as the roads to Rome took the pious wayfarers through Milan, Venice, Genoa, Florence, Bologna, and other great cities of Italy. They were so many channels for the distribution of Italian art and culture over the more untutored lands of Western Europe. Bomeca is visited annually by only 70 or 80,000 pilgrims. It puts into motion a far greater number over the whole Mohammedan world, from westernmost Africa to Chinese Turkestan, yearly a great pilgrimage, numbering in 1905 80,000 souls, moves across Africa eastward through the Sudan on its way to the Red Sea and Mecca. Many traders join the caravans of the devout both for protection and profit, and the devout themselves travel with herds of cattle to trade in on the way. The merchants are prone to drop out and settle in any attractive country and few get beyond the populous markets of Wabai. The British and French governments in the Sudan aid and protect these pilgrimages, they recognize them as a political force, because they spread the story of the security and order of European rule. The markets of western Tibet, recently opened to Indian merchants by the British expedition to Alhasa, promote intercourse between the two countries especially because of the sacred lakes and mountains in their vicinity, which are goals of pilgrimage alike to Hindu and Tibetan Buddhist. They offer an opportunity to acquire merit and profit at the same time, an irresistible combination to the needy, pious Hindu. Therefore across the rugged passes of the Himalayas he drives his yaks laden with English merchandise, an unconscious instrument for the spread of English influence, English civilization and the extension of the English market. As the colonial office well understands, the forms which have been assumed by the historical movement are varied but all have contributed to the spread of man over the habitable globe. The yellow, white and red races have become adapted to every zone, the black race, whether in Africa, Australia or Melanesia, 
is confined chiefly to the tropics. Alike conservatism as to habitat tends to characterize all sub-races, peoples, and tribes of the human family. The fact which strikes one in studying the migrations of these smaller groups is their adherence each to a certain zone or heat belt defined by certain isothermal lines CMAP CHAP, XBII, their reluctance to protrude beyond its limits, and the restricted range and small numerical strength of such protrusions as occur. This seems to be the conservatism of the mature race type, which has lost some of its plasticity and shuns or succumbs to the ordeal of adaptation to contrasted climatic conditions except when civilization enables it partially to neutralize their effects. Illustration, Primitive Indian Stocks of South America from Helmholtz History of the World, by permission of Dodd, Mead and Company, in South America. Caribs and Arawaks showed a strictly tropical distribution from Haiti to the southern watershed of the Amazon. The Tupis, moving down the Paranalo Plata system, made a short excursion beyond the Tropic of Capricorn, though not beyond the hot belt then turned equatorward again along the coast. In North America we find some exceptions to the rule. For instance, though the main area of the Athapascan stock is found in the frigid belt of Canada and Alaska, north of the annual isotherm of 0 degrees C.32 degrees F. Small residual fragments of these people are scattered also along the Pacific coast of Oregon and California, marking the old line of march at a large group which drifted southward into Arizona, New Mexico. Texas and the northern part of Mexico, the Shoshone stock, which originally occupied the Great Basin and western Intermontane Plateau up to the borders of Canada, sent out offshoots which developed into the ancient civilized tribes of tropical Mexico and Central America. Both these immigrations to more southern zones were part of the great southward trend characterizing all movements on the Pacific side of the continent, probably from an original ethnic port of entry near Bering Strait and part also of the general southward drift in search of more genial climate, which landed the van of northern Suan, Algonquin and Iroquoian stocks in the present area of South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi and Louisiana, while the base of their territory stretched out to its greatest width in southern Canada and contiguous parts of the United States. See map page 54. If we turn to the eastern hemisphere, we find the Malays and Malayo-Polynesians, differentiated offshoots of the Mongolian stock, restricted to the tropics, except where Polynesians have spread to outlying New Zealand. The Chinese draw their political boundary nearly along the Tropic of Cancer, but they have freely lapped over this frontier into Indochina as far as Singapore. Combined with this expansion was the early infiltration of the Chinese into the Philippines, Borneo, and the western Sunda Isles, all distinctly tropical. The fact that the Chinese show a physical capacity for acclimatization found in no other race explains in part their presence into the tropics. In contrast, the Aryan folk of India, whether in their pure type as found in the Punjab and Rajputana desert, or mingled with the earlier Dravidian races belong to the hot belt but scarcely reach the Tropic of Cancer, though their language has far overshot this line both in the Deccan and the Ganges Delta, one spore of Aryan stock. In about 450 BC moved by sea from the Bay of Cambrai to Ceylon, mingling there with the Tamil natives, they became the progenitors of the Singhales, forming a hybrid tropical offshoot. Europe, except for its small subarctic area, has received immigrants, according to the testimony of history and ethnology, only from the temperate parts of Asia and Africa, with the one exception of the Saracens of Arabia whose original home lay wholly within the hot climate belt of 20 degrees. C. 68 degrees. F. Saracen expansion, in covering Persia, Syria, 
and Egypt, still kept to this hot belt, only in the Barbary coast of Africa and in Spain did it protrude into the temperate belt, though this last territory was extra-tropical, it was essentially semi-arid and subtropical in temperature, like the dry trade wind belt once the Saracens had sprung, the Semitic folk of Arabia and the desert Hamites of northern Africa, bred by their hot, dry environment to a nomadic life have been drawn southward over the Sahara across the tropic into the grasslands of the Sudan, permeating a wide zone of Negro folk with the political control, religion, civilization and blood of the Mediterranean North, here similar though better conditions of life, a climate hotter though less arid, attracted Hamitic invasion, while the relatively dense native population in a lower stage of economic development presented to the commercial Semites the attraction of lucrative trade, south of the equator the native band of coffers, essentially a tropical people, spread beyond their zonal border to the south coast of Africa at 33 degrees SLM displaced the yellow hogtots before the arrival of the Dutch in 1602, while in the early 19th century we hear of the Makololo, a division of the same coffer stock, leaving their native seats near the southern sources of the Vaal River at 28 degrees SLM moving some 900 miles northward to the Baratza territory on the upper Zambesi at 15 degrees SL. This again was a movement of a pastoral people across the tropic to other grasslands, to climatic conditions scarcely different from those which they had left. The modern colonial movements which have been genuine race expansions have shown a tendency not only to adhere to their zone, but to follow parallels of latitude or isotherms. The stratification of European peoples in the Americas, excepting Spanish and Portuguese, coincides with heat zones. Internal colonization in the United States reveals the same principle. Russian settlements in Asia stretch across Siberia chiefly between the 50th and 55th parallels. These same lines include the ancient Slav territory in Germany between the Vistula and Weser, the great efflux of home seekers, as opposed to the smaller contingent of mere conquerors and exploiters, which has poured forth from Europe since the 15th century, has found its destinations largely in the temperate parts of the Americas, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa, even the Spanish overlords in Mexico and Peru domiciled themselves chiefly in the highlands, where altitude in